0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm with Alex, who has his phone voice on today. Alex, how are you?
1: Yeah, my phone voice—it's not the super silky smooth micro microphone voice that uh, we've been getting uh, rave reviews about lately.
0: <laughs> we have an awesome guest today, and, and we want to talk about s- super silky smooth professional podcasting. We have Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets, and so <laughs> here we we've, we work so hard to finally get him on our podcast, and I am not at my office. I don't, I'm on a, one of those Apple, um, headsets, you know, they have the microphone in it. Oh, and and then, uh, and then you're on your phone. So like, I'm this is horrible. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) I, I, I try, I mean, bigger pockets. Those of you guys who don't know, it's this monster podcast that has just taken over, and dominated the the, the podcasting Not world. Just
1: podcast, I mean the website, and oh, the forum, and all this crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, and so you know uh, we've actually been doing podcasting longer than Bigger Podcast has, but they've like just have left everybody in the dust and like see ya. <laughs> 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 and they do it. So, they do it. It so helps to
2: have. It helps to have that audience, you know, the, the natural audience that came. So we kind of cheated in that regard. So, well, you, know. you guys
0: have done such a phenomenal job. It, it, it's so professional. I, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that we have the great Brandon Turner on our little dinky podcast here. <laughs> wow, Absolutely. you're you're t- too kind. And and then I I don't even have my real podcast mic, Alex. J- I mean, Brandon, we've been doing this podcast now for three year, four years. And Alex, just like a last week or last month, got a real microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And, uh, and so now we have Brandon and, and I don't have my mic and, and Alex is on his cell phone, Uh, but it's a holiday. So we have a good excuse. Exactly. We're relaxing today. (laughs) Alex, Alex even has to leave soon here. And so he's got something coming up and and it, it's probably wasn't the best time that we'd schedule this, but Brandon was gracious enough to to uh, get this scheduled so we can just get it released as soon as possible, because he has a really good book that he just came out with. And I want to talk with him about that. But, um, you know, Alex, I got to give you a hard time, too, because you are on your phone and and Brandon, you know, uh, you know, if, uh, I am looking for a new podcast co-host. If you're interested, you can <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I, told, <laughs> I told Alex I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give Alex a hard time because he's he's on his uh, cell phone again.
2: That's funny. Oh. well, you know, it's funny. You're on your iPhone headset, you said, right? Like that's actually what we recommend our guests using most of the time because it sounds better than almost any other microphone you can buy out there. That's so I'm always amazing. pretty. I'm always impressed with the uh, with the iPhone uh, headset. And, and by the way, Brandon, are you recording
0: this on your end too, just in case I'm, my recording here doesn't work?
2: I am at this moment.
0: <laughs> Starting right now, I am. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I'm really glad to have you here on the show. And uh, there's a lot of really good real estate investing podcasts out there. And I, in my humble opinion, I think that we have the two best real estate investing podcasts out there.
2: And, I uh, We'll take that.
0: Yeah. If I can be second best to bigger <laughs> pockets, I'll take that all day.
2: I I I don't know. I I hear uh, raving things about yours quite often, so you know it, it's all right. You know we're 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 a little bit uh, needy when it comes to those you know reviews. That's why it seems like they're yeah, probably bigger than we are. You know we we say have, it every show.
0: You don't have <laughs> enough reviews, Brandon.
2: Uh, we need more. You know we we just topped a thousand. That was our goal for the year was a thousand, and we hit it.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. How many yeah, reviews we,
1: yeah.
0: do we have? Uh, t- 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 <laughs> did that break it through? I, did you hear me? Nine. <laughs>
2: Well, you'll have you'll have one more after this. I'll leave you guys a stellar review. All right. <laughs> I think we have like
0: um, 230. I'm looking right now, but like Ooh. a little bit less than what um, Bigger Pockets has. It's close uh, enough. I'm looking right now, but it's we have. Um, yeah, sure enough, every time I go into iTunes and I do search for real estate investing, Bigger Pockets is up there on top and we're we're behind. we have 236 reviews and bigger yeah yeah that's good bigger pockets only has 1057
2: ah yeah Look at that. you know, you're almost there you're almost there
0: and the other thing that hacks me off to no end brandon is <laughs> you guys have consistently for over a year done a podcast every week and never missed one
2: yeah actually wow. this this coming week will be our 104th show, I think it is, which is exactly 2 years. I haven't missed a single show in 2 years.
0: Oh, so, I just can't yeah. believe that. Very yes. that is very impressive. Anybody that has tried to do a podcast, it's a lot of work.
2: A ton of work.
0: It's and it once you get it going, you know, it's, it becomes easier, but there's a lot of work that goes into this stuff and uh I just hope everybody can appreciate that. And the fact that you guys have been doing this for, it looks like your first episode was January, 2013. So it's almost been two years.
2: Yep. Yeah, two years. And
0: every week, I mean, you guys even, I almost said you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but you you guys. It's okay, I'll take it. You, you guys sure. even released a podcast on Christmas Day on December 25th because it was one week after December 18th.
2: I mean, who does that? <laughs> you know, it's funny about that. So we released that. Probably wasn't the world's best idea, seeing that nobody listens to podcasts on Christmas. But uh, it didn't help either. The link we sent out in our email to you know whatever tens of thousands of people that we send our email to, uh, the link was wrong, completely wrong. I, I sent them everyone to a dead page. So not only was it Christmas, but the people that did get it got a dead link. So that was a that was a, that was a good podcast day right there. I think we had like twelve people listened, you know. So that's all right. But uh,
0: you guys have been producing really, really good quality interviews and content for a long time. Kudos to you. You deserve those podcast reviews and the ratings. And uh, I, I love podcasting. You know, I I listen to a lot of them myself. In fact, that would be a good question to ask you later on, Brandon. I'm going to put it in my show notes here. What are some of your favorite podcasts
2: that you listen to? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that.
0: And um, But cool. Just real quick, guys. I wanted to just make sure that you know. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can get our Fast Cash Survival Kit, and we talk with you. Uh, we teach on that kit how Alex and I do deals, how we use virtual assistants, um, and kind of just open the door and pull back the curtain for what, what we do in our business. And um, But real quick, Alex, how was your Christmas, man? My Christmas was great, man. Good.
1: You got. I got four small children. <laughs> that's <laughs> enough said. Have wrapping wrapping paper flying everywhere, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's the fun thing about <laughs> Christmas is, is getting uh, gifts for your kids, watching them open them up.
1: Uh, oh yeah. When they, I mean, my wife got some pictures of them coming down the stairs, and they're just. You could just see it. And she got it right at the right moment. You know, as they as they come down the stairs and round that corner to see the tree with all the presents there and you know, the, the cool thing is, you know, at their age, you really don't have to go all out and buy, like, and spend a bunch of money. You could get a bunch of little things, you know, Yeah. and and they're just as happy with with that. But, you know, we got them some nice things and just, just being able to spend time and play with them and stuff like that has been really, really a blessing.
0: That's good. We have four kids as well, those of you that don't know. And, Brandon, I, do you have kids yet? I have uh, three cats
2: and a dog. Does that count?
0: <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, yeah,
2: okay. Yes. Yeah, so no kids yet, but I'm sure I'll. am sure I'll have some someday.
0: Well, good for you. Are you.
2: If you don't mind me asking, are you married or girlfriend? I am married. Yeah, yeah, married. Uh, been married for seven years now. And we were. It was always like, hey, we wanted to go to, like travel to Europe before having kids, and then we like went to Europe, and it's like, well, we want to go to Hawaii, and so then we went to Hawaii, and I'm like, well, now I want to go to Europe again. And, like, there's all <laughs> these things like I keep putting in the way. But, uh, you know, now I'm getting to that age. Now I'm 29. I'll be 30 in six months from now. And I'm like, well, now I got to actually start planning that because I don't want to be the, you know, 75 year old dad. So I got to I guess, shape up pretty soon.
0: Well, I mean, it's 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 awesome that you're kind of living the lifestyle and uh, getting that out of the way, not out of the way, because you can still live the lifestyle after you have kids.
2: Yeah, and I hope to. You know, I see people that you know shut themselves in when they have kids and they don't do anything at all for you know eighteen years. Yeah. And uh, but then some people are out there still hustling and and traveling and whatever else you know enjoying life with their kids as part of it. And uh, I want to be that guy. You know. Well, that's
0: that's what we did last two years ago. My wife and I, with our four kids, went to Prague in the Czech Republic for two months. Wow. And still did deals in the U.S. And we just got back um, three months ago from a three month RV trip along the northwestern quarter of the U.S. Um, That's awesome. We had an RV, and we went to like twelve different national parks. Had a blast. Drove through Washington, oh, nice, which is uh, where you're you're in. Looks like we just lost Alex, but he had to go anyway, um, and he doesn't have anything important to say anyway. <laughs> so if you are looking for a new pod, if your thing at Bigger Pockets ends, and you're looking for a new podcast co-host job
2: there you go there you go
0: (laughs) anyway uh, but anyway so we had a blast and I've always believed and that's why I love this business so much is that you can live the lifestyle that you want if you set up your business the right way
2: yep and And the thing you just said there was key right your business that way uh like if you're if you're not approaching this from a business you can't do that live that lifestyle that Mm -hmm. is the key it's the it's the real estate Mm -hmm. business I, I think you nailed it there
0: and it's you can't treat it as a hobby Exactly. If you treat it like a hobby, you'll learn pretty quick that you're not going to to have much success in the business. But, um, Brandon, you just wrote a really cool book, and it's got a long title. Let me read it to you because I think (laughs) you can't just call it the No Money Down book because it's not about exactly that. Um, It's called The Book on Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down, Real Life Strategies for Investing in Real Estate using other people's money. And, um, I've not read the whole book yet. Um, I'm in the middle of it and I really wanted to get you on the podcast because you and Josh are just doing a great job over at bigger pockets. And, um, I just wanted to, to, uh, share the love a little bit. There's <laughs> you guys get, well, I mean, you. literally you probably get 20 times the downloads we do, but, um, that's what happens when you are consistently producing good quality stuff every week, even on Christmas day. And, uh, (laughs) but you, you've come out with a lot of really good stuff over at bigger pockets. And, um, could you talk us, talk to us a little bit about, um, your journey into bigger pockets? How did you, I mean, Josh was doing bigger pockets before you got involved, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. So I actually, so my, my bigger pockets journey actually is kind of intertwined with my real estate journey in that. Uh, so I was 21 years old, so eight years ago now, and I had just bought my first house. Um, I live in an area that's very cheap uh, to to live. Uh, you know, I think I bought an eighty thousand dollar house. Uh, bought it with. Basically no money down loan back in oh six, oh seven. Yeah. And um, back when they still had those. And yeah. you know, lived in it and did uh did what I call house hacking, which is, you know, I lived in it and I treated it as an investment. So I didn't know that I was doing that at the time. I just I rented out the rooms to some buddies of mine and so I was living for free, and then uh, decided to sell it. And so I fixed it up a little bit, made it, you know, made it a little bit more fancy and sold it and made about $20, 25000 dollars. And I'm like, man, that was amazing, right? Like, that was awesome. This real estate thing is kind of fun. I'm going to become a real estate investor. You know, screw law school, all those things I was going to do. I don't want that. I want to be a real estate investor. Uh, I want to get into you know flipping and then rental properties and all that stuff. So I call my parents. I tell my dad that. And he tells me I'm crazy. He says, you know, You know, I don't know, you're absurd. You're going I think his words were you're gonna go bankrupt because your tenants are not gonna pay rent and you're not gonna have the money to because you don't have a job, a good job anyway, you don't have a job to support all that all that debt. You're gonna lose everything, go bankrupt and be homeless. I'm like, oh okay, well, yeah, you're right. I guess I I I won't. So I went online that night and I typed in, you know, what to do when tenants don't pay rent. And this little site that had just been started like a year earlier, or two years earlier, uh, came up called Bigger Pockets. And there was an article called What to Do When Tenants Don't Pay Rent. Wow. And what I, yeah, what I realized that day, I was like, wow, there's actually answers to these questions. So, you know, of course, I called my dad back. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, what about this and this? You know, like all the things I'm learning. And uh, from that point on, I was addicted. So I, I kind of used BP as I grew in my investing, bought a bunch of rentals, did a bunch of flips, um, kind of... I don't like the word retired because you know being a landlord is work. Uh, yeah. I but I quit my job at 27. Wow! Uh, and was able to yeah, so I was able to just kind of be a full time, you know, living off the income that was coming in from the rental properties. And what and year then, was uh, this when you quit? So this would have been. So I quit my job two. So I'm 29 now. That was at 27, early 27. So two and a half years ago was kind of the end where I just said okay I'm done. It might have even been a solid 3 years ago now from this winter cuz I think I quit right around December or January. What did you do and before so,
0: then? I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, I actually worked at a bank. So I, I went on and off from jobs a little bit. Like I flipped for a while without a job and then I so I had a job and I was flipping and then I quit the original job I was working with uh, developmentally disabled adults. So I quit that job, became a flipper, flipped a number of houses. This is 2007-2008, the market is just crashing all around me. And I like couldn't flip fast enough to catch the market that was dropping. Mm. And so I just ended up with all these properties that I couldn't sell. And not all these properties. I mean, it was like two or three a year I did. So I just started turning them into rentals, uh, which is how I got into the rental property business. And uh, from there, yeah, so that would have been... So that was my first time I quit. Then I ended up getting a job again when I was doing some flipping. I needed to refinance some properties. Couldn't get the loan because... You know, nobody could get loans back then, so I needed a job. So I went into the bank actually, a local or well, it was a national bank, but I went to the local branch and just sat down with the branch manager and explained my whole situation exactly the kind of loan I was looking for. and you know showed her my debt to income and showed her all this stuff and why I was should have been approved for a loan, which I shouldn't have been. but you know and, and she says at the end, you know I, Brandon, I can't give you a loan, but if you'll take it, I'll give you a job. And wow. I said, yeah, I said, oh, OK. I, said, well, I actually I said I said no. And then two weeks later, she called back and asked again. And I said no. And then two weeks later, called back again. And I said, I could really use some money. And uh, so I got a loan. I mean, I got a job at that bank. And then the bank ended up refinancing a bunch of my properties.
0: OK. And
2: cool. uh, yeah, so the, I had that job up until two and a half, three years ago. And then I quit, started my own blog. Uh, I just started blogging online. Started guest blogging for Bigger Pockets. You know, I've been kind of you know hanging out on the site for years since the beginning. I started guest writing for them, just kind of my story and, and stuff I'd learned. And then one day, Josh Dorkin put on his Facebook wall uh, two years ago from this month. He put on his Facebook wall that he was looking for someone to take over the blog and to kind of help run things. Wow! So I said that sounds good to me. And it was what I was doing anyway with my own site. Might as well do it for another half million people.
0: So, well, whose idea was it to do the podcast?
2: Um, I think that was mine. Like. I think. I mean, Josh had probably already thought of it because Josh thinks of everything. Because he's like he's like the Steve Jobs of like real estate tech companies. You know, like he he kind of is like the genius that knows everything before anybody else does. But yeah. I like to think I came up with it because I used to listen to. You asked earlier about what what podcast I listened to. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, at the time, which is not a real estate podcast, but Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Oh, I love that show. Uh, yeah, I love that show. And 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 Pat is a great guy, great teacher on how to, you know, kind of do online marketing, online business. And so at the time I didn't really know, you know, how that would relate into real estate, but I liked the idea of being able to, while I was, you know, semi-retired ish, living off cash flow, try to build some more passive income online. And that's what got me into the blog. And so anyway, I started listening to his podcast, listened to probably fifty shows, uh, and kept kept thinking, man, I would love to do a real estate podcast someday. I think they're uh, it would be amazing. And at the time, I was listening to the real estate radio guys. I think oh they're yeah, called.
0: they're still around. yeah, right,
2: yeah, they're still around. Great guys, um, great information. A little bit higher level than what a lot of the stuff like we cover on Bigger Pockets. You know, we try to keep the cookies on the bottom shelves. Uh, but that was like a, a lot more advanced stuff that like I was craving at the time. Yeah, uh, you know, on, on how to kind of get to the next level and how to how to and I didn't even appreciate it to the level that I do today because it was like that business thing. Like they got the that. Real estate is a business and not a hobby, and it took me a long time, and I'm still working through what that means exactly, you yeah. know, and how to have systems and people and and processes and and automation and all that stuff to try to make your business grow rather than working in it, you know, don't work in it, work on it, that whole thing. Right. So yeah, that, that it was that that time I was listening to that podcast as well, and uh, yeah, that's why we started it.
0: Well, what other what other podcast do you like to listen to?
2: Um. So I, I'm a big fan of like business podcasts meaning you know things that help me in in business because again I kind of know a lot about what's going on with the real estate stuff I don't you know have questions anymore on how do I find a good tenant Uh, so you know I'll still listen to the occasional real estate podcast but typically the ones I listen to now are uh, there's one called conversion cast it's all about you know split testing things um, and, and trying to figure out what works well let's see what else do I listen to there's a lot of stuff on Facebook I like. You know, Amy Porterfield has one on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, I listen to hers. Yeah, there's a psychology slash marketing one, uh, Derek Halpern. I really yeah. like his. Uh, yeah, and I, I really like those that marketing side of things because again, like what I realized is that in real estate, again, it, it's a business and it's a marketing business. To, yeah. to run a real estate business, you have to be good at marketing, and oh, I. Yeah yeah going back to college, I graduated college with a hist- a history degree, which I, I can do nothing with other than be a lawyer or be a librarian and so <laughs> like if I could go back and do that again, man, I would be a business slash marketing major all day long, and I will tell anybody you know go into business marketing or if you don't want to get into real estate, go be a computer science major because I mean those are the, the two things you'll use in life more than anything else
0: well that's I mean, I've said that a hundred thousand times too it's, it's we're not in the real estate business, we're in the marketing business, yep, and you've yep. got to understand. Psychology and, and how people make the decisions that they do and I love both sides of the business as far as personally I love doing the deals which we do and I also love the education part of it yeah and and the reason one of the reasons why I think we both like the smart passive income podcast is because here's a guy Pat Flynn who has made a lot of money doing what he teaches but yep. also teaching other people to do what he does. Without being spammy, without yep. being the the typical, uh, you know, ugly, get rich fast, uh, guru
2: <laughs> type. Yep. But um, yeah, there's that, there, there's that like, and this applies to every industry, real estate and whatever else, right? Like it's the provide good value to whatever you're doing. So people listening to this are doing direct mail. I mean, provide an incredible value, whether it's. I mean, if you can't help a person that calls you, a motivated seller calls you, like you can't buy their property, you can still help them provide incredible value and, and it'll get paid back to you so much more in ways that you never imagined. Like in every part of your life, just provide incredible value. And that, yeah, that's what attracted me to Pat Flynn. I'm sure, you know, you, I'm sure same thing's true with you. Like that's what was great with Pat was, it was just incredible value. Right. And people see a return on that.
0: And people see that genuine honesty. And yep. they they choose to do business with you because they trust you. Yep. And it comes, it's the same thing with doing deals. They they're not going to sell you their house if they don't trust you. If if you yep. come off as, as scammy. But um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, we could probably talk for an hour about all the podcasts that are out there. <laughs> There's a lot of them. And and if you just go to, if anybody doesn't know this yet, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do, but you should go to iTunes. Go to Stitcher. And do a search for the podcasts that are ranked well in the business category and the marketing category. You can go in and break it down into different categories and search for the the what's hot or the, the top lists. Um and of course bigger pockets is always gonna be there. In fact, I'm looking right now on business in iTunes and you're number eighteen. That's phenomenal. All right. That's not bad. That's not
2: bad at all. I like that.
0: And um, uh, I'm looking for mine right now, and I don't see
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I'm scrolling
0: down and down and down.
2: Yeah. So, ours fluctuates quite a bit. You know, I mean, they all do quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, they they move quite a bit.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I, I like, uh, I like giving you a hard time, but about that's that, right. there's a, <laughs> there's um, a lot of good stuff out there. And I'm just looking at some of these here. You know, another guy, Chris Ducker. Um, from the new business podcast. He has been, he was kind of outsourcing before it was cool, right? Yes. Um, It's a guy who has a lot of virtual, has a virtual assistant outsourcing business um, that I've recommended for a long time to people, uh, virtualstafffinder.com. And uh, it's about um, general business in general, but you can go online and find these podcasts of guys like Chris Ducker and others that are you can take what they teach from their podcasts and start implementing them in your real estate investing business as well. Yes, but, um, very
2: much so. Yeah, cool. his book, uh, the the real, what's it called, uh, uh Virtual Freedom, Chris yes. Ducker's book was excellent. I, I really enjoyed that.
0: Good, good. Okay, so Brandon, the book. Let's talk about the book. Why did you decide to write a book about creative financing or buying money with buying houses with little or low money down? Sure. Why why was Um, it important to write?
2: Yeah. I Okay. So for me, it's because when I started investing, I mean, I had two choices. I could either invest with creativity or not invest at all, right? Because I had absolutely no money to get started. And and so I chose obviously to to be creative. Now, that is not the easy option. I mean, like the words like creative and easy are generally not in the same sentence Mm -hmm. because – Right. It's difficult. I mean, if I had 200 grand sitting in a bank account, it would have been much easier to get started. But I didn't have that. I had no other choice. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I get emails all the time from people. It's the number one email I get from people is I don't have a lot of money to get started. Do I have to wait or how do how, how do I get started without a lot of cash? And, you know, so every every no money, low money, or, you know, well, basically every no money book ever written in the past has been about usually one topic. It's like, here's the, here's the way you do it. Like, this is the way to do it. And every time it's like, well, yeah, that might've been the way for them, but things are never that black and white in real estate. I mean, I I doubt any two deals you've ever done have been identical and no two deals I've ever done are identical. And so everything just takes so much, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, to put together a deal is a, lot of, is, is a lot of work, To put all the moving parts. And so that was kind of my theory behind the book was, well, maybe I'll write a book that kind of covers everything that I've done with creative finance so people can kind of pick and choose. I use the analogy a lot of a toolbox, right? So like it, the bigger your toolbox is, the more tools in your toolbox, the bigger project you can take on. If all you have is a hammer, all you can really do is hit things. But if you got a hammer and a screwdriver, well, now you can do twice as many projects yeah. and add a saw in there. Now you can do a whole lot more stuff. So the more strategies you know, the better chance you have of putting together a deal. And and most no money down or low money, and I added that low in there because I mean honestly, most deals require something, even if it's just earnest money or uh, direct mail money or you know whatever. But most deals have more than one strategy in there combined. You know, so like I bought an apartment one time and I used uh, like my apartment complex. I I used sell a combination of lease option to begin the thing. Uh, I used a home equity line of credit from a partner, uh, and then I converted it to seller financing. So I used four different wow. strategies to put together one deal. And in the end, I ended up with a half million dollar apartment complex that was that was the like tipping point that got me to kind of quit my job and retireish was that. and I it took four different strategies to put together, and it, it took twelve months to actually piece together. Wow. But was it worth it? I mean, heck, yes. but, it wasn't easy. So hopefully that's kind of what I was going for is let, let's get a whole bunch of different strategies, throw them all together and see what kind of deals well, you can work I, out.
0: I appreciate the fact that you wrote the book, too, because what got me excited about it was, you know, it's it's really easy to to bash the gurus, you know, and yep. and, and that you see that a lot in Facebook and in bigger pockets. And and that's yep. it's justifiable. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as the saying goes. Right. Because. yep. A lot of what these quote-unquote gurus are teaching actually does work, right?
2: Yep. And
0: yep. so it's, it's I, I appreciated the fact that you're able to maybe bring some balance back into that conversation, right? Like bring some educated thought back into this and say, you know, wait a minute. Like, yeah, the, it's the way that people pitch this stuff, you know, you don't have to spend 30 grand to go to a boot camp to learn how to do this. So don't don't just throw away everything that they teach. Here's the right way to do it and at least here is the right platform to start from. Right? Is that was that your intent is, is also as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly what you said. I mean, every the, the gurus that are are charging lots and lots of money for for training, coaching, whatever. Like I I've never said that you can't learn something from them, but you, you know, the education itself, like the information, it's not secretive. It's yeah. not there's like this this massive secret that you need to pay thirty or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to gain access to this guy's imagination or whatever. You know, if you're going to pay for education of some kind, uh, at least do your homework ahead of time. Know what you're paying for. I mean, the biggest problem I see in a lot of the industries, and I, you know, I said this online just the other day to a bunch of people. I said, uh, wholesaling is a fascinating industry, right? I love the idea of wholesaling, and a lot of people do. That said, it isn't for everyone. Yet for some reason, almost every single like of those fifty thousand dollar training courses direct people to wholesaling when they probably have no business being in that industry. I mean, there's it takes a good a person who's good at sales and yeah. and good at you know all that stuff to to do wholesaling. So by just throwing everyone into one bucket and saying, this is the one thing that you should do, this is what's gonna make you successful, I think is a mistake. And so again, that's kind of why I said, well, let's look at a bunch of strategies, figure out what works and You know, if somebody decides they want to be a wholesaler, they know they're going to be good at it. They've been working at it. They know people that are doing it. You know, if you want to pay somebody to learn, I mean, that's your prerogative. I have no problem with that. But again, yeah, just getting pigeonholed into that one thing they think you should do, I think, is a mistake.
0: Well, let's talk about the different types of creative strategies that you talk about in your book. Um, Sure. You mentioned already lease options, uh, owner financing. Um, What are some of the other things that you talk sure.
2: about in there. Well, my my the first strategy I talk about in there is the idea of house hacking. I mentioned that term earlier and it's a term I use all the time. I'm trying to get it to catch on nationwide. So everyone start using the word house <laughs> hacking. All right, but, I like it. So <laughs> so there's two sides of the house hacking. So the first side is what I did with the first property I bought where I lived in a property, I rented the bedrooms out and then I ended up selling the house and making a bunch of money off that house. Not a bunch, oh. but you know, a nice amount. Um, So essentially, it was like a live-in flip, So a flip-in, I think some people call it, uh, where you're combining your house with the idea of flipping. The benefit of that, of course, is you can get a low down payment loan, like an FHA loan is just 3.5% down. Terrific loan product. Um, uh, It's 3.5% down, and you can buy a one unit, two unit, three unit, or four unit with that. So there's a flipping side, or you could buy a duplex, triplex, fourplex with that same 3.5% down and live potentially for free or at least really cheap if you do it right. So my second property I bought was actually that. It was a duplex and uh, didn't know what I was doing still very much. I just knew, hey, if I have two units, at least somebody can help pay the other one. So my mortgage on that property was $620 a month or something like that. And I charged 650 for the for the other unit. And I lived in one half of it for essentially free. I mean, I had to pay the water and when it went empty, I'd have to you you know cover that cost. But essentially, I was living mostly for free. And, and so that's kind of the, the house hacking strategy that I really like a lot. And that one can be kind of accented in a cool way with what's something called a 203k loan, which oh, is uh, part of the FHA process. It's the same, same FHA loan. It's insured by the government, but you can add the repair costs into it. So that adds a really neat uh, thing. For example, I'll throw a couple numbers, hopefully simplify it a little bit. Let's say you got a $100,000 property. And in a typical loan situation, you go to a bank and they say, put down twenty percent. Okay, well twenty percent of a hundred thousand is twenty grand. Oh, but then that property needs fifty thousand dollars worth of work. Oh man, so now you had to pay twenty thousand down payment and you gotta come up with fifty grand out of pocket. So now you're out seventy thousand dollars to buy this property, which if you have seventy thousand dollars, there's nothing wrong with paying you know the property if it makes sense to do that. If you don't have that though, what an FHA 203k loan does, it takes those two numbers together, the 50 for the repair, the 100 for the purchase, adds them together and you got 150. And then you just pay 3.5% of that total amount. So now you're paying 3.5% of, of 150000 uh, significantly less. I mean, you're looking at was that somewhere over five grand, five, six grand, something like that, to debt to buy this property and to fix it up. So now you have equity potentially. You can do that live and flip idea. You can do the house hacking with the rental property and get some good cash flow. And uh, that's all sponsored by the government with a 203k loan that almost every bank in America can do. So that, that's just one strategy I'm a huge fan of because I, I see time and time and time again, young people especially getting started in that way. And it can be a really great boost and give you some on-the-job training for how to invest in real estate in the future. You should create a course about that and then sell coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Just yeah. $9,997. And then once you take that course, so you can take my special course, which is got more secret information in there. And <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So well, yeah, I, I think the idea is, is fascinating. And you know, I did it with both my first two properties. I didn't use an FHA because they didn't you know, yeah. Back in 07, they didn't have the FHA. Well, they had it, but they had zero down loans back then. Right. But uh, the same concept, though. I bought the first one was uh, live and flip. The second one was a house hack uh, rental. All
0: right. So talk about. Let's talk about lease options. Uh, that's one of sure. my favorite strategies. It's one of the things I got started with doing when I was interested. Um, first, got interested in real estate. In fact, I was reading a book. I won't mention the title, but. Um, because it was an okay book, but they had one chapter in there about lease options and it really piqued my interest. Went to Amazon, bought Wendy Patton's book on lease options. I love the idea of controlling property without owning it. And yep. um, I've done a lot of lease options in, in my in my investing experience. Um, talk a little bit about lease options. Do you like them? Maybe what are some of the pros and cons of them?
2: Sure. I, I like lease options because I mean, I haven't done a lot of them, but I like the idea. Like you said, you're controlling without actually owning. You can usually do deals that you couldn't normally do with other ones because they're not of equity. Let me give you a good example. I just did one uh, three months ago now, four months ago with my actual best friend. So my best friend comes to me and I helped him buy his house originally. I helped him get a good deal on it back four years ago or three years, yeah, three or four years ago. Anyways, he's got a couple kids now and it's, the house is getting too small for them. The kids have torn it to pieces. I mean, like, you know, kids can be difficult on a house and they were very difficult on this house. And so he comes to me and he's like, I have no money to fix this house up. I can't sell it because I have no money to fix it up to sell it. I don't have that much equity in it. So even if I did somehow, you know, put it all on a credit card, I couldn't, I wouldn't make any money after the real estate agent. I don't want to rent it. I refuse to be a landlord. I just don't know what to do. I might give it back to the bank. I'm like, well, hey, let, let's talk about this. You know, that's why he came to me. I'm like, well, let's figure this out. So what I ended up doing is just doing a lease option with him. So I rented the house from him. So the two sides of the lease option. right? So I rented the house for uh, 62000 which is about what he owed on his mortgage. Uh, for 62000 I gave him, I think, a dollar for like a security deposit or something like that. And then I told him I'd just pay him 500 bucks a month, uh, which is what his mortgage payment was, uh, for the next five years. Then I took that and I went and gave it. And then I went and found another tenant to rent it from me. So the other tenants paying eight fifty a month right now. They're paying all their own bills. Uh, they paid a much higher security deposit, and now they're just living in the property. And I make you know a few hundred dollars a month in cash flow. And someday I will sell that property. Now I could have done a lease option with the new people, uh, but uh, I actually tried that approach for about a month. I tried advertising for a rent to own. I couldn't find anybody that wanted to rent that could have qualified to rent to own it. So I finally just put a tenant in there. But I'll sell it in a few years and it's probably worth eighty, you know, maybe eighty-five. Uh and so I I have it under contract for sixty-two. You know, I'll make a nice little chunk of change for having pretty much no money out of pocket except for the repair costs, which uh yeah. wasn't I think I ended up a couple thousand dollars into that deal.
0: So are you committed to paying the rent even if it's vacant, or did you negotiate yep. that into the contract?
2: Yeah, I said I would pay the rent because again, yeah, he's they don't have a ton of money, obviously. I don't think they could make the two payments that they had to. So I told them no matter what, like you guys are getting your mortgage paid for from here on out forever, as long as it takes. I said, the benefit for them is I signed a contract with them for 62. Uh, They owe, I think they owe 60 on it. So they'd make a couple thousand and maybe that would get eaten up in closing costs when they sold to me or sold it eventually. But I told them also, you know, every year that goes by that loan is less and less and less for them. So the longer we wait on this, the more wealth that they're building. So it's kind of a way for me to help them build wealth the same way that I am because they'll only owe fifty five five years from now nice. or whatever they'll owe, you know 50, 10 or 45, 10 years from now. So if it takes that, they'll make a nice payday as well someday. And it, it didn't really take me much more work just to add one more property to my rental pool.
0: Well, you're getting three hundred and fifty dollars a month gross cash flow, and if yep. you set aside money for vacancies and repairs, maintenance, things yep. like that, you're you're netting what one hundred and fifty bucks a month? Yeah, I, a month? yeah,
2: I was. Yeah. I was estimating about 150 a month. Uh, and if I get that, you know, at the near the house was like, I don't know, you know, we, we fixed up with a couple grand to make it nice. And when we originally helped him fix it up back four years ago, we did a pretty good job of making sure everything was done right then. And so I know the house, you know, the plumbing's all updated and the electrical and the roof and all the things that are expensive. So I hope not to have a whole lot of repairs and, and capital expenditures to cover. But if I do, you know, I, it's just further investment for me and I'll, I'll pay for it and someday again, I'll make that profit out and that's what we're in this for.
0: So then you're getting $150 net cash flow a month and you put a dollar down on the contract and maybe put in some money to fix it up at the beginning, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. I have, I probably have two somewhere between two and 2,500 into the actual property itself at this point. Okay. Uh, And so I probably could have done it cheaper had I, had I done the lease option to the seller, uh, you know, tried to find a tenant, you know, tenant buyer, I could right. have charged them a lease option fee of twenty five hundred bucks, and I would have been out of this with no money. That was my plan. Uh, I just it was uh, when we were trying to find tenants. It was late October, and yeah. the, the rental market dries up here at the end of summer. So, you know, I I don't know. Maybe I maybe I ended it too soon. Maybe not. But it's uh, that's all right. Well, one thing that you could have done, and I know this is your friend, so
0: it's different. Um, but you could have negotiated a price to buy it in five years for whatever they owed on it,
2: correct yep and i I thought about that as well, but yeah, because it was a friend exactly I wanted him to have a you know the longer this went on, I wanted him to know that I wasn't just keeping this on his credit report because I'm a ni- or you know because he's a nice guy. I want him to know he's building wealth at the same time and that was that's why I did it that way
0: Well, and that's key as well to understand because you've got to create win wins for everybody involved, right? You've got to create um, with the seller, with the buyer, with you, the investor, you got to make sure everybody wins or else it's going to come and bite you at the end. Um, You may, you may get away with it, right? Um, And we've all made those mistakes and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but you know, you, you may get away with it once or twice, but it's going to bite you in the end. If you take advantage of a seller, and they may sign the contracts, you may do it at a closing company, you may have an attorney and all that, but when they figure out what happened a year or two later, you know, they're going to yep. forget all of the nice things they said about you. Yep. Um, you, that's, yeah, you got to be really, really careful with, cre- this is just my two cents, um, you got to be real careful with creative financing deals that you're not taking advantage of a seller or a buyer um and you got to think about it from the perspective of okay if in one or two years they're looking at this again and they get an attorney is the attorney going to tell them you know what you've been hoodwinked this guy took advantage of you you need to sue them to get your money back or whatever or to get your house back so that's that's really important yep and yeah, i
2: i agree wholeheartedly
0: good okay so um let's talk about subject 2s brandon did, sure. Have you done subject twos yourself? Do you like them?
2: So, I have not done subject two, and that's why I didn't. I actually wrote a chapter on subject two and I ended up taking it out of the book because uh, I hadn't done one, and I didn't want anybody to ever say, Well, you can't write a chapter on something you haven't done. And so, I said, Okay, that you know, I'll take it out of there. And so, what I typically do is I like the lease option idea more than the subject two only because I feel more secure in knowing that I'm not. Yeah. Violating the do on sale clause as strictly as I would be with the, right. with the subject two. That said, I, I don't think there's probably technically that much of a difference in the terms of, you know, if something could go wrong. And but it just in the back of my head, I just I like the least option idea. Maybe maybe you have some you know words to say to that because you know you probably know a lot about uh, more about subject two than I do.
0: I I've done a lot of subject twos and I don't like them anymore. And, but really? I, I think there are cases or maybe some scenarios where they might be a good idea maybe on a shorter term basis. Mm -hmm. I I think it'd be fine if you got a seller who's facing foreclosure um, and the house needs work and you want to bring their mortgage current, you want to fix the house up and then sell it. So maybe you could do a subject to for four months or maybe six months while you fix it up and and then you sell it, right? Exactly.
2: Um, that's the, that's the one condition I could see using it because I would, I would feel uncomfortable putting 15, $30,000 into a property that I was lease optioning. Right. You know, like that would, that would make me feel that's, that's way too much risk for me. Um, uh, but right. if I actually owned the property with a subject 2 I'd feel a lot more comfortable doing that.
0: So I've done a lot of subject twos. I mean, I did them back in the heyday when the market was screaming hot and it was oh five oh six, and every single one of them came back to bite me in the butt. <laughs> I, I yeah. never missed a mortgage payment, but I tell you, and I, I talked about this in my story, um, I I did miss my own personal mortgage payments because I had all of these subject twos that I was making mortgage payments on. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Um, so that was, a, needless to say, a difficult point in my life because um, all of a sudden now I had uh, 15 properties that I was responsible for making these mortgage payments on that if I didn't, it would ruin or it would have given that seller, that original owner, a 30-day late. Um, now, with a lease option, one of the biggest advantages of that is that if the deal does go bad, they're easier to get out of um, yep. because it's just a lease with an option or a contract to buy it in the future, an option contract to buy it in the future. And if the deal does go bad, if the market tanks, it's, just, it's easier to get out of the deal. I'm not saying that you should You should do everything in your power to try to save the deal and make sure that the seller is whole. But sometimes, you know, some things, some bad things happen or whatever, and and you just have to get out of it. It's easier to do so with the lease option. Would you agree with that, Brandon?
2: I I would. Yeah. And, and the thing with a lease option, I, I think I even quoted this in the book. I said, a lease option, like my advice is a lot like uncle Ben with, uh, with spider-man right like with great power comes great responsibility yeah. and so like a lease option is very very powerful in the things right. that you can do with it and uh, you know but you have to be careful that you i mean like the fact that you can back out of a lease option fairly easily and the fact that you can put a dollar you know down payment or whatever you can do no money into it uh, those are all great things at the end of the day you don't want to screw somebody over though uh, even though you could very easily and like you said earlier c- find a way to create a win-win-win and and work to make sure that the deal works out good
0: Okay, excellent. Um, we're coming towards the end, Brandon. I wanted to ask you some questions about marketing. Um, sure. <clears throat> do you do much marketing yourself? Do you get a lot of most of your deals from
2: referrals? Um, what, what's
0: your What are some of your favorite marketing tactics?
2: Sure. So I do not do a lot of like direct mail or anything like that. I mean, I'm only very, 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 very limited in that. Like you know, handwriting and some stuff to people. But my I guess my major marketing has been. Uh, networking with other uh, people, whether it's wholesalers, whether it's local landlords, uh, flippers. I like going to local real estate meetups, meeting with other people. Uh, I get a decent amount of stuff that way. That's how I actually got my, well, not through a meetup, but through a uh, relationship is how I got my apartment complex. Um, Another way, uh, I like Craigslist a lot. Hmm. Uh, one thing I've, I've done just a little bit of, but I want to do more of, is contacting the landlords that are on Craigslist renting their properties out. Not the oh. property managers, but the yeah the mom and pop landlords that are trying to use Craigslist. But hey, I'm not interested in your rental, but I am looking for a property in your area. Do you have one for sale?
0: I have a course for you, actually, Brandon.
2: <laughs> do you, do you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wrote a course on that.
2: No way. It's called, That's awesome.
0: It's called um, onehourleads.com.
2: That's um, awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I love that idea.
0: If, if anybody else is interested, it's a $97 course that I did, onehourleads.com. And in fact, I just I have a keyword alert whenever I see my name on Bigger pockets. Nice. And somebody uh, asked a question about that product. It's also called Leads in an Hour. Um, but I've been doing that for years. And it's a great strategy for, um, for doing that. It's just contacting landlords. And also contacting the property managers that are listing those rentals yep. and saying, hey, property manager or realtor, um, do you, would your client have any interest in maybe selling that house? Think about it. It's vacant, right? Yep. And they probably have some mortgage payment that they're trying to pay that they're getting frustrated that they can't get it filled. So it's vacant. And you know, would your client have any interest in selling? And if not, would you have any other clients that are have a rental property that you're managing that might have some interest in selling? Um, or just going directly to the landlord. It's a, I've done, oh, I don't know, over 100 deals since I got started from Craigslist. Um, just contacting landlords, asking them if they want to sell their house or contacting property managers. Yeah, that's cool.
2: Yeah, that's great. I, I also like the idea a lot, and I have not done this one either. And this is just an idea I heard a few months ago on the podcast. Is contacting eviction, like landlords going yeah. through evictions. Yeah. right? I love that idea. That's just... I mean, I you know I've done evictions and they are stressful beyond belief and annoying and expensive and I get so like irritated and angry. Yeah. If you know somebody contacts me in that moment and be like, "Hey, look, I know you're going through an eviction. Are you interested in selling? I'm looking to buy something. Like, do you think I'm motivated? Yeah. Of course, I'm motivated. I hate that property at that moment. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: that's uh, yeah. that's an excellent strategy. And I wish you would not talk about that. I ho- <laughs> I, I hope you don't talk about that on your podcast because it's a great way to find deals. And
2: it is. Yeah, I yeah, don't want to get out all the secrets, you know.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And that's, uh, you know, I, I want to congratulate you and Josh at Bigger Pockets for what you guys have done to the industry. Um, your website's a great resource to go to to get information. To I think one of the and you guys do talk about this, but I think a lot of people forget um, the the What's the word I'm looking for? The networking, the community aspect of Bigger Pockets. You yep. can do a lot of deals with people yes. on Bigger Pockets. You know, if you want to lend money or borrow money, or if you want to buy deals or sell deals, there is a huge community. It's the biggest community on the internet where you can find people to do deals with. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah. I mean, if I if I had to estimate, I'd say, you know, millions of dollars a month of transactions happen on Bigger Pockets just between members. I mean, I've borrowed money from people and I've got people all the time that are, I mean, just yesterday, a lady offered me a lot of money <laughs> to like lend me. And I was like, I, I don't have any deals right now. Like, I I don't, my pipeline is like dried up right now. I mean, I have one that I may be working through, but like, I, I don't like telling people, yeah, I'd love to take your money. Just to put them on hold, you know, which is another reason why running like a business, you should always have, you know, your pipeline working all yeah. phases of it because otherwise you do what I do. I, I didn't, I didn't work my pipeline this summer. I got nothing right now. So I'm just like, you know, sitting here twiddling my thumbs and <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll write another book or
0: something. <laughs> well, Brandon, how can people get your book? What's a good link for them to go to?
2: Uh, Probably the easiest is going to be uh, either Amazon or biggerpockets.com slash no money. Just okay. no money.
0: I'll have a link to that in my show notes biggerpockets.com slash no money. Go to Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. Um, do you still have that special, Brandon, where they get some bonus videos and interviews that you do? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think the book itself is like right around 20 bucks. The digital or the the physical, I think, is like 25. And then you can get like the audio for 35 or for like, I'm not even sure what it's at. I think it's like 55, 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. get a bunch of videos and audio. And a second book I wrote on how to find deals, like a bunch of strategies for finding hidden deals that... You know, that nobody else kind of things like the eviction and and that kind of stuff are are part of that. So anyway, that's the ultimate package, because that was a cool marketing term.
0: <laughs> I you know, I looked at that brand and I first thing I thought of was man, he is underpricing this.
2: Yeah, I've already said that. I know they're like, Man, you should charge like, you know, three hundred bucks for that or something. Should, I'm
0: like, it should be a lot more. But yeah, for what it's worth, you know, um
2: Yeah. We wanted to make sure that anybody could afford it. Right. And you know, if they want to go, if they learn something in that in that you know, strategy somewhere in there, if they can pick up one thing that helps them great. And if they want to learn more in depth, there's a million courses and training things like, you know, the ones that you have that they can go get a lot more in depth on a specific topic versus, you know, that was kind of my theory is let's, let's get a broad overview and, and go from there.
0: Well, job well done, Brandon. Well, thank you. And, um, guys, if you want to get in touch with Brandon, you can find him at biggerpockets.com. Um, do you have a, a page that about you page on, on bigger pockets, Brandon?
2: I, I do, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of long. It's like bigger pockets.com ah. slash users slash Brandon <laughs> at BP or something. But uh, I don't know. I'm on Twitter too. It's just What's, at Brandon what? at BP
0: at Brandon
2: BP? at BP. Yeah. Brandon, B R A N D O N A T B P. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's my Twitter.
0: We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thanks for being a good host. Um, guests, <laughs> I mean guest. And a good host of your own podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
0: All right, Brandon, we'll take care. Everybody, if you want the show notes, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get Brandon's book. I'm going to highly, highly recommend his book. And um, you know, one of the things I might do, actually, I think what I'll do is uh, there's a lot of books that I've read about creative real estate. I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, There's a lot of good education out there in books. You don't have to spend a ton of money to get this stuff. Um, it provides a good basic introductory level. And then if you want to dig deeper, there's a lot of resources on bigger pockets, um, as well as, uh, a lot of other cool places too. So thank you again, Brandon, everybody. We'll see you guys later. Take care.